Welcome to the Apawa Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, visit us on any Sunday or online at opawa.org.nz. Got a lot to share with you this morning. Um, start with this story. Uh, I, I have shared with you this story before, I realise, about a couple of years ago, but if you don't remember it or you do remember it, that's good. I'm going to say it anyway. Um, there was a, a man who was uh, looking down at his infant child and he was just so taken by what he was seeing. His wife came to the door of their child's room and looked in and saw her husband and could just see the, the look of amazement on his face. Tears were welling in his eyes, looking down at, at what she saw as their firstborn child. And she was moved and she walked up to him and came up alongside of him and she said, what are you thinking, honey? And he just looked down and he goes, I'm just so amazed. It's absolutely incredible. How they make, can make a crib for less than $50 like this, I just don't know how. You know... <laughs> Oh, that speaks a lot about the mind of a man, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, Sometimes we get so caught up with uh, the the makings of what is around us and forget the miracle that actually resides within. As Christians, we believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Who is the Holy Spirit? Or what is the Holy Spirit? It's not a baby in a crib, so don't say that. Someone said God? Jesus, Jesus. yeah, there it is. <laughs> I started a bad trend with that one, didn't I? <laughs> so what is the Holy Spirit? It's God? He's a person? Part of the Trinity? He's a mediator? What does he do? Sorry? A comforter? Yep. Sorry? Blows up balloons? Yep. <laughs> He's the air in balloons. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it, it's interesting because when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we could all sit here and go, um, uh, what? Uh, yeah, the Holy Spirit. We know the Holy Spirit. Now, when it comes to Jesus, we're pretty comfortable with that, aren't we? Aren't we? God the Father? How about the Holy Spirit? John 14, 16 to 17 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Now, remember the sermon last week when we talked about grace, and we talked about Satan being the accuser. Who's Jesus now? He's not the accuser. Who is he? He's our advocate. Okay? We saw in Zechariah chapter 3 where Satan is at the right hand of God accusing humanity. And when Jesus, at the end of Matthew or the beginning of Acts, heads up into heaven, where does he go? He goes to the right hand of God, takes the place of the accuser, becomes the advocate. And now he's saying, I'm sending you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So first of all, as it was said, the Holy Spirit is not an it. Okay, I I say he because 
I'm a bit of a male chauvinist and I feel uncomfortable with saying she. But the reality is it's a he or a she. It's a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not an it. Okay? It's not something uh, that we kind of refer to as, you know, that thing. It's a person. It's a being. It is an entity. So we need to refer it to, or we refer it to as he. But So it's not an it. The Holy Spirit is God's spirit. Okay? Um, I think there's a verse here, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. So it, it knows God's thoughts. It knows how God thinks. He, he knows exactly what God's about. There's a direct line between him and God. Okay, just like there's a direct line between us and our spirit. He knows God intimately. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit can only be understood by those who believe. Um, I, I find it interesting, especially in today's day and age, that we try to trivialize Christianity and bring it down to the floor level so that everybody can understand. Well, let, let me just say this. Not everybody will understand. And no matter how much we want to change language to make everybody understand, ultimately the only way you can understand is through the Holy Spirit. You with me? I mean, it's not logic. Okay, I've had arguments with people who want to turn Christianity into some logical thing. It's not logical. Nothing about it is logical by human standards. It's a difficult concept to understand, and it can really mess with our brains to think of something like a God who lives outside of time, who can create things at the, at the mention of his word, and we can start you know, kind of doing backflips over trying to understand everything that goes on around it. But we can get a glimpse of who God is, but only through the Holy Spirit. You with me? So three things of the Holy Spirit. It's not an it. It is a person. The Holy Spirit is God's Spirit. And really, the only way we can understand it is by actually having it in us. It's not an easy concept for me to sit down and explain to somebody who doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Um, I find that interesting too, because... There are many of us Christians who ignore the Holy Spirit. And that makes me question whether the Holy Spirit is with them. Uh, that's a difficult concept to understand, but we'll unpack that a little bit later on. Um, I've always thought it would be cool, and I don't know if any of you guys have thought this way, but wouldn't it be cool to be back with Jesus, you know, back in his time, and to be able to walk alongside Jesus you think about the apostles and, and the kind of life they would have lived, you know, if they ran out of fish and chips, they know Jesus could just conjure up enough fish and chips for everybody, right? You didn't have to go to the corner store, he would have had it already made. Or if your dog ran across the road and it got hit by a car and it was killed, Jesus could resurrect the dog, right? Or the cat, if it ran across the road and got hit by a car, yeah, he would just do the funeral for it, right? Um, but hanging out with Jesus would have been really cool. You would just be experiencing God in person. Right there, you could touch him, feel him, walk alongside him. You know, the moment you start to sin, you know, he would give you that look and you know he knows what you're thinking, right? Um, well, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus. His Spirit living in us, guiding us, as though Jesus was standing right next to us. 
With me? Okay, but what does that mean? Well, so much. Romans 8.11 says, um, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Now, as Christians, we believe the moment you give your life to Christ, the moment you make the confession and say, He is my Lord, that the Spirit of God, His Spirit will enter you and you will become a walking temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's something not easy to explain, is it? Theologians have argued that point for, for years, centuries. But this is the truth. The Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you who believes in Jesus. Think about that. Just, just think about that. God's Spirit lives in you. How does that make you feel? I've never sat next to anybody who's told me that they are God. Has anyone had that experience? Has anyone been at a meeting or something and the guy turns next to you and says, hey, I'm God. Have you ever had that happen to you? I'd love to know because I'd love to meet the person. But anyway, um, it, it doesn't. But here's the problem. We tend to live our lives as though we are God. You know why? We live by our own making, not by the Spirit that lives in us. Now, if I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, what is most important about me? What I look on the outside? What I do? What's the most important thing about me then? It's kind of like the, the crib. The crib could be really good looking, but the miracle doesn't lay outside, it lays inside. So for us, the challenge that I'm going to lay out this morning is, how are we living our lives? Are we living it by the Spirit that lives within us? Or are we living it by our own making and thus telling God that we can do this on our own? That we are our own gods. None of us here would admit that we are our own gods. None of us would. But yet a lot of us live as though we are our own gods. Even more so over the years, especially us Baptists, you know, big movement a hundred years ago about the Pentecostal movement. Oh, it's all about the Holy Spirit. So we reacted by shelving the Holy Spirit and kind of digging it under because we've got some radicals over here who are just all about it. So we need to bring the balance right. And then we wonder why our churches are dying, why our churches are declining, why people don't, aren't really interested in being part of a church. Well, the Spirit, where is it? John 6.63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. What does he mean by the flesh? Us? 
yep, our old nature, the part that was crucified, then why do we keep resurrecting that old part? Mm -hmm. He sure did. Yep. Paul did have a struggle with that. Yeah, the sacrifice kept jumping off the altar. You're right. Absolutely. But it's the Spirit that gives life. No matter how hard we try, we will never be able to make any changes in our lives without the Spirit. Does that make sense? Are you guys with me? But here's another problem. And this is Jesus' words, he says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So what's going on here? What's going on here? I mean, these are people who confess Jesus, who were doing miracles in Jesus' name, prophesying in Jesus' name. What's missing here? They're doing it in their own strength, which means what's missing in their lives? The Holy Spirit. Andrew, what was the name of that gentleman that you were talking about this week who said, I'm looking out at 3,000 people? Paul Washer? Is that right? Yep. I was talking with Andrew this week. And he shared with me this story about a, this preacher named Paul Washer. And he said, I'm looking at 3,000 people here and there's a good chunk of you that most probably will think you're going into heaven, but you're actually not. You think because you're doing things in his name. But you know what? There's something missing. There's something missing in your lives. Because we could all look the part. We could all play the part. We could also live the part. But where is the Spirit in our lives? Where is the Spirit manifesting itself in our lives? Now, I don't, I don't want to give a downer this week. Last week was good because it was, it was encouraging and, and I know that we got a lot of positive feedback. So I, I thought this week, tough sermon, but let's, let's give some positive feedback here. How can we make this right? Okay, How can we get this in a way to make this right? How can we re-examine our lives and, and re-experience that spirit of God that is in us when we confess that God, who, who let his son down, that we, we've laid our, our sins at the cross and believed in Jesus. How can we return back to that? In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says this, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. See, even Paul's like, hey, does the Spirit of God actually live in you? Really? Let's examine this. And then he goes on to say, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. I mean, these are some pretty harsh words. And a lot of us kind of live quite happily thinking, oh, I've made a commitment. I believe. But we hear warnings time and again in God's Word. Okay, you believe, but what does that mean? You've given your life to God, what does that mean? Is the Spirit manifest in your life? So how, how, can, 
How does this work, Rob? Thanks. Now I'm really depressed. Now I've got to go question my, my, my salvation. I'm going home and I'm going to really feel bad. Well, hold on a sec. The fact that you're even asking those questions is a positive thing. I'm more worried about those of you who are blowing me off this morning and are thinking, yeah, whatever. But for those of you who are starting to think, oh, what, who, what? That's okay. That's a human response. But I'm going to give you some, some tips to work on and hopefully to, to kind of get you through um, your walk in the Lord. First of all, you need to walk by the Spirit. You need to walk by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 16 to 18 says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. It's intentionality. I will, you know, it's not like I've now got the Spirit and I am going to be Spirit-filled and I'm going to run out and do all of God's things. No, the Spirit doesn't just take you. You have to intentionally walk in the Spirit. As Paul says here, so I say, walk by the Spirit. Be intentional about trying to do what the Spirit wants in your life. Oh, that's a really good question. What does that mean? Because the next thing I need to bring up is this, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You, you know, we, we, we sometimes mess up with evangelism. In that we just believe that we have to get the word out there. We have to come out and, and, and get Bibles to people and get them into the word and, and do this. But you know what? The greatest witness is your life, who you are. That is bigger than anything else. That's what God is saying here. You are my witness. I don't want you to just necessarily do things. I don't want you necessarily to get out there and, 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 and pull the trumpet out and call out and, you know... Man, I had this friend of mine uh, in uh, when we when I first got married in DC. Uh, we're living in Washington DC, and I was an Aussie in DC on the East Coast. They don't get many Aussies out there in the US, so I was a, a novelty. This is the early nineties, and you know, just a few years before that, Crocodile Dundee was this big movie there, and they were all in love with Aussies, and and so it was really you know going to church. They just wanted to hear me talk, you know. Oh, speak for us, Rob, and I, I felt like I was a wind-up doll, you know. G'day, mate. My name's Rob. I come with a didgeridoo, you know, it's, it just felt like I was this, and, and it was hard to make friends with that kind of situation, but there was one guy in particular, his name was Joel, and we used to play this game, this board game called Axis and Allies, you guys heard of that? Uh, well, we used to play for days on this game, it was this whole strategy game that we would play, and Joel was a fervent evangelist, and uh, one day we were in downtown DC, I mean, I'm Farragut Square, which is like a block away from the White House. I was working in one of the buildings in downtown, and I remember coming down one time for my lunch break, and I heard a guy with a megaphone on the corner preaching the Word of God and calling on damnation of those who did not believe the fires of hell are coming. And I, used to, I was thinking, oh gosh, you know, giving Christians a bad name, man, it's all about hell, isn't it, you know, and I'm walking away, and all of a sudden on the megaphone, I hear this, Rob! I was like, oh no, I, Lord? Yeah. Rob Petrini! 
Vinny, is that you on the megaphone? And there's Joel on the street corner with his megaphone yelling my name through it. And I couldn't hide anywhere because people parted out of the way. You know? Oh, good old Joel, love him to death. But that's not, even though that is important to get out and evangelize, I don't want to minimize that importance. Or giving out Bibles, I don't want to minimize that importance as well. That is important. But what's most important is who you are and how you're living your life. Because that is the biggest witness to anyone and anything on this planet. People's lives change not so much by what you tell them, but by what they see. If you're walking by the Spirit, it doesn't become Rob or Barry or Anne or or Bob. It becomes God's Spirit. You with me? That's what changes people. What makes Hugh a great evangelist isn't how great theologically he is or how much he's, he's pinning the Bible on people that he meets. It's because he's love and care and interest in their soul and how when they see him, they don't see Hugh, they see God. Does that make sense? Walk by the Spirit. Next thing is to live by the Spirit. Now, walking is one thing, but living by the Spirit, that's not easy. Here's John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So the Holy Spirit's job isn't just to guide you, but it's also to teach you. So that you can live by God's standards, not by my own. Okay? Uh, as, uh, years ago, this would have been about oh, five, six, seven, eight years ago, uh, uh, there was a, a Christian TV channel in, in Sydney. And I was, do- I was being interviewed there at this thing. And, I, you know, I'd never been in a TV studio before. And I kind of sat down and I was with a friend of mine and they stick this little thing in your ear right, in a little speaker thing, you know, you just get that in your ear, and it's kind of awkward, because now I can't hear out of my left ear, but I can hear out of my right, and I'm unbalanced, it's kind of funny, but, so I'm sitting there, and I'm kind of twiddling away, and all of a sudden, this voice comes on, and it goes, Rob, just relax. Okay, I'm relaxed, and so, you know, and you start to, stop picking your nose, I'm not picking my nose, (laughs) how's my hair, what hair, (laughs) And, and so this little voice, just relax. We're going to get started in about a minute, and I'll give you the countdown. Just, you know, just look relaxed. You looked a bit nervous, Rob. Just, just sit comfortably. And so this voice kind of walked me through it. Couldn't see the person. Didn't know where they were coming from. It was just this voice in my ear. And in a sense, the Holy Spirit is the same thing for us. It's this voice within us that leads us. Sometimes it catches us by surprise. Especially if we're really attuned to, to it. Sometimes we struggle to hear it. You know, we're kind of messing with the earpiece a little bit and I can't hear you properly. And sometimes we need to discern whether it's the spirit or something else. Okay, Rob, thanks. But how do I know the spirit working in my life? How, how do I know that? Has everyone, anyone you know, found themselves asking that question? 
Or am I the only one? Okay, to help everybody out here, who has had that problem? Who has asked that question? You know, how do I know it's the Spirit or something else? Because I've had some of you come to me and say some things, and I'm wondering, where did that come from? And they've told me, that's the Spirit God is telling me this. And I look at them and go, ooh, really? Because that's not what he's telling me. So one of us is wrong. And it's interesting when you find yourself in that situation. I've had people at meetings who have stood up at meetings and have told me, not here, elsewhere, and have told me, God is saying this. And I hear it. And I stand up and I say, that's not what he's saying to me. And if that's the case, one of us here is a false prophet. Ouch. So you've got to ask, who's hearing what? Who's saying what? Which I guess is one of the reasons why prophecy is not so big, because a lot of us are afraid to speak up when the God does actually speak to us. Oh, what if I'm saying something wrong? What if it's, hey, you know what? If it's God's spirit, you've got to speak. But let me give you some pointers in understanding how do we know if God is actually speaking to us. First point, know God's word. Okay, that's just straightforward. Okay, you want to know the Spirit speaking in you, you need to know the Word of God. It's not difficult. Yes, it's a big book. Yes, it's written kind of strangely. But we have enough tools in our day and age today to help us through that. You know, and if you have any trouble with it, let me know. I've got enough tools to help you through that. But God's Word is our guiding line. That is what tells us what's right and what's wrong. So when someone comes to me and says, God tells me to kill this person, I'm going to look at them and say, yeah, that's not the God I know. Why? Because in the Bible, it's pretty clear to me. That's why I have issues with Americans who say, in God we trust, but I have to have my gun. That, that, don't you see that's an oxymoron? That there's something wrong there? Well, I need to defend my family. No, you don't. How much do you trust really in God? I trust in God as long as I have the... You know, when we have these discussions, you've got to measure it from what you read in the Bible. God's Word is what leads us, what directs us. So when we are confronted with a situation, we can measure who God is. And we can have lively debates over it. You might not agree with me. But what becomes our guiding principle between us when we disagree? God's Word, right? It's not my idea versus your idea. It's the way we're looking at God's Word. And those kind of disagreements are cool because they sharpen each other. So you can come to me and say, that's wrong, Rob, because in the Bible I've read this. And then I'll say, well, I don't agree with you because I've read this. So how do we make this, how does this work? And together we're examining and seeking God's Spirit in our discussion. That's a good thing. So you want to know about God's, you you want to know about the Spirit in your life? Get to know God's Word. Who's a mechanic here? Who knows how to fix cars? We've got no mechanics? We've got one guy. Come on, there's more than one of you guys. Come come on, Alan, put your hand up. I know you. (laughs) You know, whatever it is that we are, uh, we like in our hobbies and we like in in our hand, what we do with our hands or what we do with our minds, we put a lot of time and energy in doing that. You know, I could look at a car that goes by and I wouldn't know what kind of engine it's got because I've never looked into it. 
But some of you could see a car go by and you know the engine, you know the type of sound it's making, you could tell if there's a problem with it when you drive it. Why? Because you've, you've gotten your heads into it, you love it. You know, I could tell you all about planes. The other day, a nice big 747-400 landed here in Christchurch and I happened to be at the end of the runway working on this sermon while I was sitting there typing, came right over me and immediately I went onto my iPad, I found out where it was coming from, I found out it's a ICAO sign and I found out what it was going and why it was here because oh, I love planes. I could tell you the configuration of the aircraft. I could tell you its engines. I could tell you all about it. Where it came from, where it's going, why it was in Christchurch. I had to go on to Facebook and find out why it was in Christchurch because it wasn't supposed to be here. Passions that drive us. Well, our first passion should be Christ. And our first passion should be knowing who he is and what his will is for our lives. So in, in fairness, our passion should be the Bible. You with me? So how much time do we put into learning about these hobbies, these things, and how much time are we actually putting into knowing and learning more about God? So the challenge for us has to be, get into God's word. Now, it's not easy. I, I, when I first became a Christian, I started from page one. I know all the abbreviations and then all the, no. And then I got to page 35, which was actually the beginning of the Bible, because you've got to get through all that front stuff, and you get to the 30. And then you start from there, and you're thinking, oh, cool, what? He created who, where, how? And it just went downhill from there. <laughs> It's not easy to read the Bible. I, I, I'm with you on that. And that's why God has gifted some of us in this place to help each other out. It's called discipling. It's called walking alongside each other and helping each other out. So that you don't feel, what am I reading? What, what's, what's this mean? I don't understand. Help. Not everyone in this room is a reader. We, we, we're stimulated other ways. And that's why we help each other out. Get to know God's word. The other thing you need to know is don't rely on human logic. This is really difficult for us because we're humans. And so logic tends to be part of our default. But when it comes to the Lord, logic goes out the window. How logical is it that God has to send his son on earth to die the death he did on a cross? You want to tell me that's logic? There's nothing logical about it. It's crazy. Why couldn't he just snap his fingers and make it happen? He's God, isn't he? If we use human logic, what happens is we tend to put God into a box. Tie it up and let it go. Logic can get us where God's got us on the path to the path of me, the path of society, the path of this world. So when you hear God's spirit, don't rely on logic. There's nothing logical about a kid who wants to not go to college, but wants to go to Zimbabwe to build hospitals. That's not logical in today's day and age. It's not logical for someone to sell everything they have and to go into missionary work or, or to give to a church. There's nothing logical about giving up a Sunday morning where you could sleep in because you've been working all week and come here. Be careful when you rely on human logic. Be discerning 
when the Spirit does speak to you and how you interpret it. Are you interpreting it by logic or are you interpreting it by God's Word? Because the next thing you need to understand is your own self. Each and every one here is different. You're all different. Look around, there is nobody like you. You need to know yourself. What are you struggling with? What, what, how do you think? I know some of you and I love it. I love how different we are. I knock on Dave's door because he just thinks so far out of the box than I do. And I want to get that side of the picture. I hang out with Sandy and she gives me some things that I would never ever think of because the way she thinks is so different to me. Because I know I don't think like that. I know myself. I understand myself. I know when I'm being hard-headed. I know when I'm digging my heels in. I know when I'm being exceptionally stubborn, which is usual. Do you know yourself? You know the good parts of you, the bad parts of you. So when it comes to discerning God's spirit, who is it, God or you? Because I've had some people turn to me and say, God's saying this and I'm thinking straight in my mind, it's you, not God. Do you know yourself? That's a challenge. As much as we need to know about who God is, we need to be walking this journey with ourselves and understanding who we are. So that when it comes to being scratching our heads and thinking, what's God saying in our lives? I can discern whether it's me, whether it's the dinner I had the night before, or maybe the argument I had with my spouse or my kid, or the bad day I've had at work, or the euphoria I felt from seeing, you know, uh, Canterbury win last night and treat those northerners the way they should be treated. You know, is it that or is it me, you know, or is it God? Because I know God and I know me. And that's not to say knowing me is a bad thing. God uses your personality to help others and to help yourself and uses your strengths and abilities to help guide those around you. So it's not a bad thing, but it does help in discerning who God is in your life and how he's speaking to you. You with me? It's like that, um, that logic that we use. Well, you know, and I've shared with this before. When it comes to what's most important in our lives, number one is God. Now, generally speaking, number two, and I've shared this before, but number two is family. Number three is work. And number four is church and ministry. But if this is God's church and this is God's ministry and God's number one, wouldn't that normally actually automatically become number one then? It doesn't make sense that you relegate it down to below your family. Because I'll say it right off the bat here and I'll offend some of you, but I think some of you got married without going to God first. I think some of you had kids without asking God first. It's done, it's done, you can't. It doesn't mean God doesn't bless it, by the way. God still blesses it. But the question is, 
God has to be number one. And if, that, if he is number one in our lives, then everything that entails who God is, that includes he's calling for you in your life, he's calling to where he wants you to be, and he's calling you into ministry has to be number one as well, above everything else. Now, we, we rely on human logic at that point because we say, oh, hang on a second, I've got kids, I've got a family, I've got a job, that has to come second because, you know, God, you've given me this family and God, you've given me this spouse and, and, and I've got to look after them because that's my responsibility. No, that's human logic. In God we trust, if he is calling you in ministry to his church in this place, that has to be number one. He'll fix the rest. Be obedient to him. That doesn't mean sell everything and live here 24-7. Believe me, Robin and I would not want you to live here 24-7. We've got enough people as it is in here during the week. But what, what is he calling you to? Because everybody here has a purpose. Everyone here has a calling. Maybe you're doing that. Great. Just make sure that's number one in your life. Don't rely on human logic. Understanding yourself. So, okay, that's all good and well. How do we measure that? How do we measure God and the Spirit, especially, in our lives? Well, Galatians says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Everyone knows this. Come on. What is it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Cool. But let me just say this. Who defines love? Do we define love? Who defines peace? Who defines joy? Joy, even though there was a lot of joy in the game last night. I, I didn't watch it. I just saw the result this morning. And I was like, yes! Was it 23-3? That's the way it should be. Yeah, they shouldn't have even gotten that three, I think. But anyway, we'll let them have a little bit. But that, I don't think, is the joy God's talking about. Don't define it by human logic. Define it by what God... People say, we just got to love one another. Well, what does that mean, love one another? You know, love is the most abused word in this whole planet. And I'm hearing it lately a lot. Well, God's the God of love. What does that mean? Don't tell me today's vernacular. Don't use culture to tell me what love is. Use God's words and tell me what love is. Because if he's the one that defined it, then we live by his love, not mine. And that doesn't necessarily mean I have to be huggy-huggy all the time. Remember, we talked about being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. We define love sometimes as a peacekeeper, peace at all costs. When actually love is more defined by a peacemaker, we need to make peace. And that means confronting issues. That means confronting people. That means when things are out of balance, we need to rebalance it by God's standards, not by mine. And so when we read a passage like this, the fruit of the Spirit, it's not about a really nice person who's always smiling and is always full of peace and joy. Because that person could be quite on the inside. The miracle may not be happening on the inside. And are they living by God's love, by God's joy, by God's peace?
we go back to Galatians 16, 18, walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. You've got to live by the Spirit's calling in your life, not by mine. Live by the gifts that he has given you. For those of you here that are generous, give generously. For those of you who are, who are smart theologically, use your theology to help people grow. For those of you who have a heart for seeing people being fed and clothed, do it. Don't stop. Don't get discouraged if they let you down. Don't stop because you're not there to please them. You're pleasing the Spirit as you walk alongside it, as you live out the Spirit's life within you. You do it because you do it out of love. You do it out of love. These are the fruits of the Spirit. But Romans says this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your minds leads to life and peace. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? But there's a lot of things that we struggle with. I'm going to just point out quick three things that I think a lot of us here, including myself, struggle with. Okay? First of all, unforgiveness or conditional forgiveness. I think that's something that we Kiwi, I'm saying we Kiwis, that we struggle with. Unforgiveness. We hold things against people. Why? Because we never confront the issue appropriately. We, we, we're either becoming peacekeepers or we're battlers, but we're not making peace. I think that's something we struggle with. Unforgiveness or conditional forgiveness. I forgive only if. Or I, I forgive them, but I'll never forget. It's not so much the never forgetting part that I have an issue with, it's just the attitude of holding on to that. Jesus doesn't remember your sins. The advocate who stands at the right side of God covers that so that when you will stand before God one day, your sins are forgotten, not just forgiven. So we need to learn to forgive in the way the Spirit is calling us to forgive. We have also go, have a problem with allowing the past and the hurts of our past to dictate how we act today. And I've seen that happen here. We allow the hurts that have happened in our past to dictate how we act today. When I first came in, my first year, I was personification of something I wasn't. Did you know that? I was personified as pastors of the past, not as the pastor of today. And sometimes we do that with our worship leaders or we do that with other authority figures or other people. We either remember what they've done in the past and we allow that situation, that hurt, to dictate how I'm going to act today. The problem with that is we forget that these are people we're dealing with who are sinful just like us. But they have a personality. They have what we believe the Spirit of God in them. Let's treat them as who they are as individuals, not as the office that they represent or the hurt that they've hurt, or, or, or the situation that they are. You with me? We can read like we did last week. We talked about grace and, and how, you know, the, the woman who had committed adultery, and we, the situation that she was in, you imagine we shared that last week, right in the throes of passion, being ripped out of the bed, 
thrown into the middle of the street, half naked, trying to cover her, her dignity, then thrown into the middle of a morning Bible study, used as an example. And what does Jesus say? Who is he challenging? Not her. Oh, he does at the end, sin no more, but you're forgiven. Clean. Grace has happened here. We've got to allow that to cover our own lives and in our interactions with the people around us. Don't allow the hurts of the past to dictate how you act today. And lastly, anger, pride and self-righteousness are our driving vehicles. I have a big issue with pride. There's no doubt. I'm Italian. I'm a big guy. Big as in, you know? I've got a bit of pride in me. Some of us respond in anger. Some of us respond in self-righteousness. I'm going to point out the wrongs of others. Look how wrong they're doing this. Look at that that wrong there. I can't believe this. That's called self-righteousness. It's not a spirit of righteousness. Spirit of righteousness is actually humbleness. But we, we quickly point out the wrongs in others and we're driven by our pride or by our anger. And I've, I've noticed this amongst us, in some of you, including myself. We need to turn away from anger, from pride, and from self-righteousness. No matter how right you think you are, if you're in an argument or a fight with someone, it's always two people. You are equally as wrong no matter how much you think you're right. And those who don't agree with me right now, I challenge you with your self-righteousness. Too many times I've had couples in my office, not just here but elsewhere, who have come to me, he's done this, she's done that. You know what? You're both wrong. You're not acting out of love. You're not using God's patience. And you certainly don't have God's peace. You're acting out of anger, pride and self-righteousness. So these are three things we need to look at as individuals, as people of God who need to... For some of you, maybe number one is the most important thing. Yeah, I, I really do struggle with forgiveness. I do really struggle of letting go. Others of us, yeah, I, I've been hurt in the past. How, how can I find healing in that? The Spirit is in you. The healing is right there. Let Him fill you. Don't allow those hurts to dictate how you act today. And for others of us, maybe the anger, the pride, the self-righteousness, don't allow those to be the driving vehicles in your lives. Oh, I, I know how you feel because I struggle most probably with that last one there most of all. Don't allow those things to drive you. We saw three things. Well, this is the third thing. Walk by the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. And we also pray by the Spirit. Who here hates praying? Let's be honest. Come on. Who really feels self-conscious when you're in a group of people and there's a silence and it seems like they're all waiting on you to pray? Who's felt that way? Most, <laughs> all the kids went straight up. <laughs> and there are a few adults here who are afraid to put their hands up because now they're feeling self-conscious because, oh, they're going to look at me. No. <laughs> Praying has, I don't know, for me, it was the scariest thing when I first became a Christian. 
because I felt inadequate. I didn't feel I was theologically uh, uh, in, a, in a position or a place to, to be able to say anything. And then I'd hear these other people praying, and they prayed in ways that you would, you know, put the Psalms to... You know, they could just add Psalm 151, 52. I mean, they could just add their own... I mean, they just pray in a way that you just think, there is no way, oh, thank you, now I can't open my mouth, because I'm going to sound like a fool. But you know what? We're called to pray in the Spirit. Not pray by my standards, but pray in the Spirit. Here it is in verse... Romans 8, 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. I've not heard many people groan when they pray. Has, has anyone been in a prayer where you've heard someone groan? Oh, we've got a couple of people groaning. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, could have been indigestion though. No? No. <laughs> they were hungry, maybe. That, no. <laughs> Allow the Spirit. And you know what? God knows what's in your heart. And it's okay to be at a prayer meeting when it's quiet too, by the way. There's always this pressure when there's silence that someone now has to pray. We have our prayer meeting here every Tuesday morning. And I feel that pressure. Yeah, it's quiet. Oh, now I better pray. It's okay. We're together. We're bonded. We're united by the same Spirit. He's searching our hearts. There can be silence. So I want to release you from that. It's okay to be silent. And it's also okay not to be eloquent in your words when you pray. You you know that God speaks all languages, including slang English. You realize that, right? Because if we go to England, they tell us that we don't speak like English. We're either Aussies or Kiwis. And then you go to Australia and you don't speak like an Australian. You speak like so-and-so and this and that. You know, you're in New Zealand and you can tell somebody who's from Gore, right? Can you? Oh, there's big nods here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is he still speaking English? Does God care what accent he speaks in? Does he care how eloquent your words are? If you really want eloquence, read Psalms and read David. There is no eloquence in his anger, in his frustration, in his sadness, in his laughter, in his joy, in his... It's just real. If you could only read the Hebrew, and you could read it in Hebrew, because unfortunately when it comes to English translators, they like to put the spin on things to make it sound holy and give it the right words. And you miss so much from the Hebrew where there is just pure emotion, pure earthness about how they speak. You know, pray by the Spirit. Let let Him come out. Let Him be a part of you as you speak. And you know what? The more you do it, the more you allow Him, you will start to realize that you can hear him more often. You start to realize that that little channel in your ear is not crackling anymore. It's actually quite clear. Because we're not just walking by the Spirit or living by the Spirit, but we're praying by the Spirit. My girls, I don't know if they hear the groans when I'm in the shower. Must probably think, what's dad doing in there? 
But there are times in the shower I just groan because I don't know what to say. Either because I'm, I'm overwhelmed, sometimes out of joy. I'm happy and I don't know how to explain it. It's inside of me. And I just let it out. As I speak to God, I allow the Spirit to work in me. And that's a challenge for you. So as we come to a close, I ask the worship team to come up. The challenge for you this morning is pretty straightforward. Where is the Spirit working in your lives? Okay, you read something like Matthew where you hear um, all these things that, that, that Jesus says, you know, you, I don't know you, get out of here. And uh, is that me? Do I, am I that one? Be challenged by the Spirit within you. And how can, I, how can I hear the Spirit better? How can I know the Spirit's will for my life? Read His Word. Get to know God's Word, you know. There's a reason why we do hand out Bibles. Because we want people to know God. Because it's one thing to feel Him in your heart. It's another thing to actually know about Him. You need to know about God. Because the heart can be deceitful. What verse is that, Alan? Is that Psalm... Thank you, Jeremiah 17. The heart, who can trust the heart? The heart is deceitful. Okay? Not always is the heart right. You need the Word. The Word's a solid proof. Can't go wrong. Got to have that. Okay? Don't rely on logic. Keep relying on the kingdom, not on the logic. I've had argue, discussions with, not arguments, discussions with some of us here, and, and a couple of you got it right. Kingdom focus, kingdom focus, kingdom focus. Because if I'm not kingdom focused, what happens? It's like a dance move, isn't it? No. Anyway, um, we, we, we get distracted by human logic that tracks us. And you know, dealing with some organizations lately, I'm so distracted by the human logic. And I'm like, where's the kingdom in this? Where's the kingdom in this? And then coming back to getting to know yourself. Don't take it for granted that you know yourself. Don't take it for granted. A lot of us here think we know ourselves. Just ask a few people around you. You'll be surprised by what they say. Guys, ask your wives. Wives, don't ask you guys because they don't. They don't want to get themselves into trouble. <laughs> I'm kidding. Ask the people around you. They'll tell you. Get to know yourselves. Be challenged by the things that you're holding on to. Unforgiveness. Your past, anger, self-righteousness. Deal with those things because they keep you a step away from where the Spirit wants to lead you. The Holy Spirit is alive and well. It's not like uh, it needs watering. It just needs acknowledgement. And you need to build that relationship with Him because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't care how well the crib's built. The miracle's inside. And that miracle's inside of you. Amen? Let's stand and worship God.